Well, hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 19 of Your Questions, God's Questions. I cannot believe that we've made it to 19 questions so far, and I still have another one for tomorrow, so um, you can keep those questions coming. If you will uh, contact me, uh, my cell phone um, and uh, email contact are on whatever you're looking at. Uh, website citypointchurch.ca, Facebook City Point Quebec, and uh, you'll find it all there, and you can uh, reach out to me. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Friedland. I'm the pastor of City Point Church in the city of Brassard, Quebec. Uh, we're currently doing everything online still, and uh, look forward to meeting back at the Cineplex Distrante uh, on the 20th of September, if all goes well. There has been a uh, actually a, an outbreak here in the south shore of Montreal, uh, or south shore, uh, we're 15 minutes south of Montreal, uh, that you may have heard about on the news. But anyway, we are, we are uh, praying that we'll be able to meet in person again uh, in the month of September. In any case, we're doing this uh, weekday series, Your Questions, God's Questions. And uh, today's question is uh, probably coming from the message yesterday uh, that you can also uh, you can also look up and watch or listen to. Uh, again, we're on Podbean and Apple Podcasts as well. And I did talk about um, uh, the fall in the Garden of Eden uh, yesterday from the book of Genesis. And so a series of questions came up about the temptation and fall. And uh, this, I'll phrase the question this way, it was really a series of questions. Uh, Who was tempted in the garden? Was it Adam? Was it Eve? Or was it both? Now I know what some of you are thinking, oh brother, a garden of Eden? You know, Adam and Eve walking around in a garden, unclothed, and, uh, you know, talking snake. Okay, Uh, you know, pastor, I just want to tell you that that's myth, okay? That's mythology. That's not supposed to be taken literally. Uh, Well, um, I I would challenge that view. Um, If you read the Bible, you will see that uh, the way that that account is written and presented to us whether we believe it or not, is our our business, of course. But the way that it is presented is indeed as a historical narrative. It is not the author's intent, and according to Jesus, the author of the first five books of the Bible was Moses. Uh, it was not Moses' intent to um, have us interpret the fall and Adam and Eve and so on in an allegorical or in a mythological way, it was intended to be interpreted as a literal historical narrative. Now, there's all kinds of genres of of literature in the Bible. Now, when we say we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, yes, but we have to interpret it. And there's some passages of the Bible and some books of the Bible that are not meant to be interpreted as literal historical narrative. Uh, The Psalms, for example, are not meant to be interpreted that way. The Proverbs are not meant to be interpreted that way. The Song of Solomon, uh, the wisdom literature, uh, there's a way of interpreting, and we, we look at the literature and try and figure out, well, what did the author intend? 
Um, and so it's clear that Moses intends us to take this story literally. And if we follow the way that it's interpreted through the whole Bible, it's clear that the other authors in the Bible took this story as literal history. Even Jesus referred to it, uh, at least in passing. He refers to the Genesis 2 passage, the two shall become one flesh. Um, he refers to the beginning and uh, the devil as being the father of lies. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Uh, Paul refers to Adam. Paul refers to Eve. Jesus refers to the serpent in the book of Revelation. Uh, even the tree of life is referred to in the book of Revelation. The tree of life is referred to in other places in the Bible. And the way that the thing was interpreted was clearly as a historical narrative. Now, we can fluff our, our, our arms and, you know, and uh, in the air and say, well, you know, they, they interpreted it that way, but that's not the way it's supposed to be interpreted. Well, I mean, we're supposed to interpret it the way the writer intended it, right? That's how we respect the literature. Now, if we want to, in our age of, you know, scientific enlightenment and so on, we think we're so, so brilliant these days, uh, say that, well, no, it didn't really happen, then, okay, well, then, then Jesus, you know, got it wrong, and Jesus interpreted it wrong, and Paul interpreted it wrong. Um, I would rather respect the literature and uh, respect the way that, that, that Paul interpreted and certainly the way that Jesus interpreted it for us. Now, anyway, back to the question, who was tempted? Now, for this, you really need to actually read the narrative because there's so many problems in the way people understand the fall of man and what really happened. And I don't know where we get some of our ideas, but some of the ideas we have are not from the Scripture. So uh, uh, we did this yesterday on Sunday as well. Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 15. This is before Eve is created. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So there's a clear prohibition from God to Adam not to eat of this tree because somehow it op opens up sort of a doorway to knowledge that, that he does not want Adam to have. But he tells him it is the knowledge of good and evil, and then Eve is created uh, the chapter ends, and we go into chapter 3, and we see the temptation. Look at it closely. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Again, you wrestle with that and say, well, what does that mean, crafty? You're talking about talking snakes? Well, again, Jesus uh, mentions the serpent as the devil. So, uh, there's an image being used there. Um, but but the, the way that Moses writes this narrative is clearly meant to be interpreted as a narrative, a historical narrative. And so th this here is, is um, the devil is doing the tempting here. It's not just some, some animal. This is the devil that is doing the tempting. He says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden. So as we said yesterday, causing her to not trust God. And he's basically saying, brilliantly I would add, 
you cannot trust God because there's a reason for this Eve. And the reason is that he's holding out on you. So, so the Eve says to the serpent, and, and again, the serpent is, is the Satan, the devil, the adversary. We may eat from the fruit uh, from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Note the we, not the I, we. The only we there is Adam and Eve. So clearly, Adam knows the prohibition. Eve knows the prohibition. And uh, the devil says, you will certainly not die. So saying, no, God is lying to you. It's not that you are going to die. He's lying. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's a brilliant deception. Because it's half true. The part where he says you will be like God knowing good and evil is true and came true. If you if you skip down to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22 and you start looking at the consequences of the fall. I'll just pull it up here on my, on my screen here. Uh, he, God says the man has now become like one of us probably speaking, by the way, about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach his hand, reach out his hand and and take from the tree of life. So he's banned from it and uh, and live forever. So he is is banned from this tree of life. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there's this tree of life. Tree of life is referred to in the book of Revelation. Um, And so... Uh, this is a consequence, one of the consequences, but it's clear here, God himself says he has now become like one of us. So the temptation, the deception that that Eve uh, bought into is a brilliant deception because it's half true. Uh, you shall not die. Well, they did die, just they started to die slowly, and we talked about that uh, yesterday. Now the question is, was it Eve who was tempted or Adam? Well, it's clear that both of them were aware of the prohibition, and but it is also clear that specifically the deception was to Eve. So she eats it, we're told in verse uh, 6, and then it says, she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, was he the one that was specifically deceived? Well, technically not. Uh, the, the, the enemy is operating specifically with Eve there and deceives Eve, but Adam is no better, right? He was aware of the prohibition and he eats the fruit anyway. Okay. So he can't, he can't pass the buck. Uh, then they realize what they've done. Their eyes are open. They, they have shame. They cover themselves. And then there is this, this dialogue between them and God. And uh, look what Adam says in verse 12. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. I mean, as we talked about yesterday. Hey, Adam, didn't you know the prohibition before? It was only there in chapter 2 before Eve was even created right out of your rib. Didn't you know? Uh, so he can't really he can't really pass the buck there. And then God says to Eve, what is this you have done? And she says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, the question often comes here, who was tempted? 
But a more difficult question is who was deceived? Because uh, Paul, when referring to this in uh, 1 Timothy, I'll pull it up here on my screen, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and um, verse 9, he says, Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Now, you've got to read this whole thing in context, and that's a question for another day, the way Paul is talking about women here in this passage. But he does state it was it was Eve specifically who was deceived. Now, that's technically true, right? Even Eve says that the serpent deceived me in the book of Genesis and again chapter 3. So who was tempted ultimately? Well both of them. I mean you see Paul refer to Adam as the one who brought sin into the world in the book of Romans right? Um, So but in in 1st Timothy uh, chapter 2 you see Paul uh, almost looks like he's pinning it on Eve but we'll we'll, we'll, that's a question for another day what he's saying to to women in 1st Timothy chapter 2 there. Um, But the point is, both of them were tempted, both of them were aware of the prohibition, and both of them ate the fruit willingly, knowing that they were being disobedient to God. It was a brilliant deception on the part of the devil, uh, and one that any of us would have fallen for. And a lesson for us is that the lies of the enemy that we talked about yesterday are extremely clever. Uh, He is not to be trifled with. He is extremely clever, and he often hides those lies in truth. So there's half-truths there, but there is is ultimately the foundation is a lie. So Jesus, again, calls him the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language, but he has a way of making it look real slick. Uh, Eve. God is holding out on you. God is the one who's lying to you. God is the one who's deceiving to you. Listen to me, Eve. The reason why is because he doesn't want you to be like him, you see, because he's very self-centered and he's very narcissistic, God is. And uh, and so he's holding out on you because he, he doesn't want to share with you what he has, you see. That's a brilliant lie. Uh, and so we need to be very, very careful. This is why Peter says, be sober-minded and alert because ultimately your freedom your spiritual freedom is a battle between truth and lie so who was tempted at the end of the day both of them were and at the end of them both of them fell but thank god for jesus who came into this world uh and died on the cross for us that we would be liberated from the power of sin you even see it in genesis Chapter 3 and verse 15, we'll close with this, uh, this passage. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He's speaking to the serpent there. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And many, many conservative scholars consider this to be the first rough prediction of the event of the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. He deals the death blow to the serpent, crushing his head, and yet the serpent deals a blow to Jesus, striking his heel, and he dies. And uh, it's a quite a fascinating passage, Genesis 3.15. But until we, uh, we meet again tomorrow, 
God bless you, and we'll be with you again for more of your questions, God's questions.